Hello, welcome to the UMGoBlue.com podcast with Andy Anderson and Drew Montag. And as you can tell, we have a special guest, our basketball editor, Drew Montag. We're going to talk about Michigan's run to the Final Four. Um, well, Drew, why don't you kick it off since you're our guest here? Uh, what did you think of uh, the most recent games that propelled Michigan uh, in, to put them in contention for a national championship? kind of funny because they played four games in the tournament now and they won all four but three of the four games have been kind of among their worst games in a while they won the games with defense they played good defense but the offense has been kind of shaky for three of the four games the the texas and end game was a thing of beauty and the other three have been a lot more defense than offense you know, Drew, the thing that struck me, um, besides the last game where, if you listen to the announcers, it seemed that Michigan was losing by 20 throughout the whole thing and were completely overmatched, um, is that you had one game where Michigan just blew it out, you know, scored 99 points, and then you had another game where they pretty much just kind of had to grind it out. And they appear to be to be winning any way that they can. Uh, it, it's it's really a testament to the balance of this team. It's kind of frustrating to listen to the pregame or even the halftime announcers because Isn't it? in most of the games, the Montana game, they were saying, "Okay, Michigan's better, but let's see him do it." But the Texas A&M game and the most recent game against Florida State, to listen to them, it's like, why did Michigan bother showing up? Houston had had their their bun their man bun guy, and uh, that's all they could talk about. And then you know Florida State, it was you know they got the seven foot four guy and he'll block every shot in the world. And it was it, you're right. It did sound like um, Michigan was going to be down by twenty points at the opening tip. So it was kind of nice to see them grind out the wins, even in games where. They weren't, uh, it wasn't as obvious that they were going to win. Even though they've been subject to some criticism, and I agree with you entirely, the, uh, some of the announcers has really been uh, bad news as far as the Michigan point of view and pointing out the real game. Uh, I have to say that I'm very, very proud of this basketball team. The way they have matured, the way Beeline has handled them, you know, Beeline sometimes is regarded by the fans as a great coach, and at other times he's regarded as one of the worst coaches on earth and people want to fire him. And it changes very, very quickly. All that changes real fast. And uh, But this time you can be, I'm proud of those players that, a new one, a different one has uh, contributed each time, like Matthews in this latest game. Matthews had 17 points recently, too, that bailed us out. Uh, it's just a different player. Even freshmen like Brooks, who had that uh, Hail Mary that uh, really paid off. Yeah, it was cool. So this is a team to be proud of. And whether they win or lose the next two, I'm going to be in a quarter corner, and I figure on great things for next year with the five-foot recruits that they got coming. You know, the, the thing that strikes me is that I don't know 
if there's a, a better prototype for a coach that fits the Michigan uh, profile that we would want than John Beeline. Um, you know, I think back to when he was hired, um, he, he, I don't think that he was considered like, you know, a, a top-tier talent, even though that he had a really great track record. He came in, Chrysler was a dump. You know, he didn't complain. He dealt with it, um, built his team up, and, and really, you know, he's kind of content to be in the shadow of whatever has been going on in the football program while achieving at a very high level. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that always strikes me is, you know, people will talk about how successful Tom Izzo has been. And as much as I might want to you know, have to tip my hat to whatever uh, results that they have had, mostly in the past now, on being successful on the court, I never wanted a, per, a coach like that. I never wanted a personality like that here at Michigan. I really want... Well, Izzo fits the personality at Michigan State to a T, and Beeline fits ours better, and of course I like ours better too. And it's hard not to have a great appreciation of him at this moment. The thing that struck me is, you know, and true, I have to, I have to give you credit. I mean, you have been through the highs and lows writing about Michigan basketball consistently, um, and there have been some lows. And, and, you know, there was a point for me where all I wanted from basketball was not to embarrass us. You know, go out, play basketball, don't embarrass us on the court, don't embarrass us off the court, because we had such a, a litany of, of bad things happen. And here, you know, you get beeline, and, you know, again, the, the style of play, um, the success on the court, the lack of problems off the court, he's really built a juggernaut. And, you know, I'm really hoping um, that he can cap it off with a national championship because, really, that's, that's the only thing left for him to achieve. True. He's, he's a good and honorable man. He's, uh, he's leading the, the program the way we want him to lead it. Um, he was recently um, described as the number one most, the, the cleanest coach in college basketball, which is nice because there's, going to be a lot of stories about dirty coaches coming out in the next nine months to a year, um, like Sean Miller out at Arizona. Um, so it's nice to not have to worry about that, um, but he, he, does it, he does it the right way. And the, the thing I like best about him is I think he's the best coach that I've seen, not just right now, but in 40 years of watching college basketball. I think he's the best coach at developing talent. That he's good at picking them out when they're in ninth grade and figuring what they're really going to be like when they're juniors at Michigan and leading them that to that point. Because um, he doesn't get the five stars in the McDonald's All-Americans except for Bitch McGarry. And uh, so he brings in lesser kind of under-the-radar kind of guys, like uh, Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman wasn't highly recruited. And, you know, he's, he's good yeah. at bringing their... Drew, you don't mean that they're lesser people. Well, they're just, they're just not five-star people, not highly ranked recruiting-wise. Because right. they're bright, and they're clean, and they're good athletes. Uh, but they're, they're not the... They haven't had the publicity that some other recruits get out. Right. And I'm bringing 
happy with the results he's getting that way. Yes. He brings in the lesser recruited guys and develops them the way he wants them. He, he can tell which guys are going to be good for the way Michigan plays and the way he wants Michigan to play. And I like that. I do too. <laughs> it's been quite a ride. It, it was really unexpected to me in 1989 when Michigan got in the battle for a national championship and when they finally won it at Seattle by a point on a pair of free throws um, at the end of the game. Uh, that was quite a trip, and I thought at that point Michigan basketball from this point on is going to soar. And I had a very good friend of mine that said, Andy, you're crazy. It isn't going to soar. Michigan's a football school, and they'll ignore it. The fans will ignore it and everything. And then then uh, it blossomed for a little bit under the Fab Five and then took that big nosedive that caused a 20-year hiatus of respect by anybody for Michigan basketball. And as we said before, Beeline has brought that back in the States. I mean, it's, it's there. It's real. He's got quite a program going, and it looks like the man thoroughly enjoys his work. It's not a drudge. And he, I don't think he's working for the money. He's working because he loves it. Yep. Well, Drew, so it was funny because I've been, you know, Andy, you touched on, you know, the, the perception that Michigan is a football school, and there's no doubt that the bulk of the attention is focused on football. But if you look at, and I was doing this just today, if you look at the results of what's happened since 89, um, I think there's a case to be made that, especially among younger people, uh, Michigan may be considered more of a basketball school if you're looking at results than a football school. Drew, I know you follow both very closely. Um, what do you think about that? I'd like to be known as both. But... Uh... <laughs> Hey, we're a hockey we're a hockey school too. I mean, <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna count that. Yeah. Did they win the game tonight? They did. Hockey is hockey is going to the Frozen Four. Um, cool. And there's no doubt. I mean, I think that you know, as U of M alum, we're all genuinely proud of all the programs. I mean, we're proud of softball. We're proud of the swimming, diving. Um, you know, uh, again, I think the thing that 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 I'm surprised by is again we've talked about how low the program you know hit uh, specifically post um, you know post '89 and, and the uh, the Brian Ellerby uh, era I guess we can call it um, but again to go from the lows of the lows to the highs of the highs built the right way and um, it, it's 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 interesting to me because. Football will always hold a special place in my heart, but you know I think back. Uh, you know, football won a, won the national championship, which we're we're all very proud of. Um, but you know, if basketball can win the national championship, I mean, when you consider how many times we've we've been to the championship game, you know, the success we've had in the Big Ten tournament, it, it's really amazing at, at what the program has done. Um, and of course, we all have high hopes for Coach Harbaugh. But uh, right now, it's it's uh, it's amazing to watch. Um, so, Drew, let's go back to this last game. We, you know, you talked about the highs and the lows. Um, what were you thinking specifically 
watching Michigan match up against Florida State. Um, you know, definitely a, a different kind of team as far as defensively with all the, the block shots and things. Um, what, what do you think that showed about their resiliency and, and uh, how they were prepared? Well, here we go with coaching again because I don't know if you noticed, but in the second half, Florida State didn't block any shots. They blocked a bunch in a row in the first half. And in the locker room at halftime, Beeline had a talk with him. And what he said was, if you watch, Xavier would drive into the teeth of the defense, and instead of trying to shoot it, he'd get them all bunched around him and then pass it out in the wing, and they'd do something better with it. And uh, so that was a coaching adjustment he made at halftime. And I, I didn't count a single block in the second half. In the first half, it was like volleyball out there. So I thought that that was... One of the reasons that we pulled ahead and stayed ahead, we stayed ahead the whole second half pretty much. Um, you got dicey down there at the end when they got within two points. Um, Florida State did, but um, it's still, I thought that the adjustments that D-line made at halftime were the right ones and the ones that made it so that we could pull ahead and stay ahead. And that's what we've done pretty much every game you can't count the Texas A&M game because at halftime we were up 27 or 24 rather um, but the other three games that were close at halftime um, the second half we pulled ahead and stayed ahead and the, the amount of lead would kind of bounce back and forth but you know we did a pretty good job of keeping the lead once we got it and that's what we did against Florida State was make some adjustments at halftime enough to get a lead and keep a lead. And I thought they did a nice job. It, it was more defense than offense. And four for 14 shooting three-pointers is kind of ugly. Um, just only making four three-pointers is kind of ugly. But, uh, you know, if you can hold the other team to 54, you can win with 58. You know, it wasn't so long ago that if we hit that many, if we fail to get more, uh, three-pointers in that we would have lost and now he's prepared a team that can do it any way possible to win it seems like they can win that way one thing I was interested in is that it was said that Florida State was going to run transition on us they were going to run us to death all the time get the rebounds and they were going to go and I and I thought I heard an announcer and I haven't checked the statistic but I thought I heard it announcers say that they didn't run any transitions at all. Drew, what's the story on that? You know, they came into the game, Michigan had the, I think it was the fifth best transition defense in the country, and they had the 15th best transition offense. And so it was one of those things where something's got to give. And what mm -hmm. gave was their transition offense. I think we did a good job of kind of smothering them, making sure that they couldn't get out and run. And uh, they they did get offensive rebounds. I mean, the, those big guys underneath there got a lot of rebounds, and they they got a lot of close in shots. But we've seen yeah. the we've seen that limiting turnovers because they had uh, what fourteen. I've got the numbers here somewhere. Um, the turnover battle in that one was eleven to fifteen. Eleven turnovers is a lot for us. Fifteen is a lot for them. Um, so if you can keep the rebounding close, win the turnover battle, um, and get some transition baskets when you do get a turnover, that's 
that's another way to win. It's more fun to beat a team like we did Texas A&M, bomb them from outside, you know, because we were, what, uh, 14 for 24 in that game shooting threes. And so that's kind of nice, huh? Yeah. So you, you can get away with some um, not as good defense if you're going to score 99 points. But uh, they, you're right. You said earlier that Michigan's found a way, well, found a lot of different ways to win. Um, I'd feel more comfortable if they bombed in 14 three-pointers every game. Just, you know, kind of, it makes, it makes the game a little more comfortable. It makes it more fun. It looks better. It's uh, those ugly, you know, 58-point games, um, they just don't look good. There's a lot of turnovers and there's a lot of missed shots and stuff like that. It has been said that that Michigan has the easiest path of any of the teams uh, vying for the Final Four because of the low seedings of the people in in the West and uh, in their section. And uh, it seems to me that even though those teams have been seeded low, we have seen a great effort to try to defeat Michigan in some of these games, and that it hasn't looked easy to me at all, even though the seedings are low. Yeah. Is it the, there's more more parity than ever in college in college basketball? Well, I mean, one alternate version of that would be that these teams were seeded wrong. Now, I can't imagine seeding Loyola or Chicago any higher than 11. Um, uh, any better than 11, but they still managed to win their games and play their way into the the Final Four. Um, but the the rest of the teams that we faced, you know, Houston was a strong six. When they looked at all the six seeds around the tournament, they were the strongest one by far. Um, and <laughs> Texas A&M was good enough to beat North Carolina and nice enough to lose by 27 to us. Um, get your attention, doesn't it? Yeah, Florida State, you know, they, they, they've won some big games. So were they seeded correctly? Uh, it's hard to tell. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it, it, you're right. It is one of the easier, no, not easier, one of the um, on paper easier paths to the Final Four because we haven't had to play a seed higher than us. Now, of course, the one seeds always get that, that they never play a seed higher than them because there aren't any. But uh, as a three seed, we potentially could have faced a two and a one seed. We didn't have to. Somebody else took care of them for us, which was nice. But playing a six and a seven is, you know, that isn't anything to scoff about. Starting out with a 14 is kind of the definition of being a three seed. You're going to start out with a 14. So having a six yeah. and a seven instead of a one and a two is great for us, lucky. Um, but we beat them. You know, the nine seed Florida State was probably the hardest game of the bunch. Houston was hard. So, yeah, I I don't know if things were seeded correctly in the West, but uh, it, it made for an interesting tournament. It broke everybody's brackets. Minor in shambles. Well, but but Drew, the thing is, is that you know. Michigan didn't pick their schedule or their seeding. You know, you, you can only play the teams that are, you know, that, that match up with you. And right. I know, I mean, listen, I whined during the regular season the path that Michigan State had 
to the regular Big Ten um, conference title, right? But, but when it but when it became to the postseason, um, you know, tournament, uh, you know, the proof was in the pudding. And I will be the first to admit that you know when they added the 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 the, the post the post regular season tournament for the you know so you have two Big Ten titles you have the regular season title and the playoff title. Um, I was I was kind of mocking of it, but you know. It's working out for me. I can deal with it. I, I, it's won me over lately. <laughs> well, the question is, would you want to give the automatic bid to the team that wins the regular season title when the regular season title is an unbalanced schedule? That's, I mean, uh, yeah. Basically, we, we, we use the regular season as a way to set the seedings for the, the Big Ten tournament. In the Big Ten tournament, who gets the automatic bid? So I, that seems much more fair to me since the – until they get up to the point where they can play whatever it would be, 28 games or something like that, so that they could uh, – 26 games so that everybody plays everybody twice, um, then that's not going to happen. Next year they're going to 20 games instead of 18. Um, so it will be a little less unbalanced. But still, Michigan State had the second easiest regular schedule, regular season Big Ten schedule. Um, and you know that that really helped them. That they played Ohio State once, Michigan once, Purdue once, and we had to play. Hey, wait a minute! Ohio wait State a minute, too. They played all those teams once, and they only won once in the uh, in the basketball tournament, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they got crushed by Ohio State. They got crushed by us. So it's uh, you know they, they, it's kind of a false regular season. Um, victory for them, you know, that they won the regular season championship by, I think, a game or two. But uh, it's kind of a, it should have a big asterisk by it, given the, who they didn't play or who they only played once and you know, how they, against the big teams in the Big Ten, they just did okay. They didn't do great. They lost to Michigan. They lost to Ohio State. They did beat Purdue, barely. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I like it better having the Big Ten tournament determine who gets the automatic bid. And yeah. it's, it's a real competition. You, you I do too, Drew. Every, every year that Michigan wins the Big Ten tournament, that's the way I feel. But I have a tendency to flip when Michigan wins the regular season, but not the Big Ten. I have to admit <laughs> that. I have one further question for you. Beeline, over the years, has... While he has been at Michigan, has been maligned by people saying that he coaches soft teams, and it seems to me that there is a hardness or toughness characteristic to this team that is kind of uncommon among Beeline teams, and that they are doing a good job, and they're just as tough as they have to be to meet the situation that they face. Uh, this last team that they had had up to 12 players available and they run them in for three minutes, four minutes, five minutes or whatever and commit a lot of fouls and create a lot of mayhem. I saw a little activity there that I wish had been called, like uh, uh, three getting Simpson getting hit on the forehead and knocked down once uh, by an errant hand. It just just 
happened to creep in there and hit him in the forehead and knock him down. Stuff like that, but they get right off the deck and they seem to deal it back. They seem to have quite uh, a toughness factor. What do you think? <laughs> it was the Illinois game a year ago, so in early January or so, 2017, yeah, when Maverick Morgan for Illinois called Michigan a white-collar team yes, and, and questioned their toughness. And yeah. since that point, Michigan has been really amping up the toughness to the point where this year we got the Michigan State players and coaches to say that we out-toughed them in both games. So, yes, this is a much tougher team. Um, my only complaint about Michigan toughness is for some reason B-Line seems to recruit players, big guys, who seem to think that it's rude to dunk. That, you know, there'll be a lot of times Mo Wagner will, will he puts Nick Ward on the deck with a, a with a great ankle-breaking behind him. He did a shake and bake on him and got him down on the ground. He went in and laid it off the glass and in. It's still two points, but he could have gone in and taken the backboard down. Um but, yeah, there, there just been lots of players that want to lay it in instead of dunking it. And Jesse's been one of them. Pardon? Jesse, they said to Beeline, I heard Beeline say that that uh, Teske wouldn't wouldn't even dunk in the, in the practices. He didn't like to do it. And then he came up in the game and really, really slammed a couple home. So Yeah, I wish they'd do it more, I guess is what Me I'm too. saying. That there's, there's times when there's a psychological effect. And Florida State um, and Houston both tried it as much as they could. I mean, when they had a chance... The dunk they did, and they made them big gorilla dunks hanging on the rim and making as much noise as they could. And um, it, it does have a psychological effect if you let it. And I think one of but the things still, Michigan's been good at. It's still only counts, counts two and a three sure. counts three. Yep. So that's the good part of it. But I agree with what you say, though. You know, the, the thing about a three is it counts for 50% more than a two. <laughs> so, so listen, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. Um, Drew, do you have any last words? I, I'm looking forward to seeing what we do in the Final Four. I have high hopes. Andy, do you have anything? How can you add to that? Same here. I wish, I wish Michigan to go blue. All right. Well, we, we will reconvene next week. We will know more. Good luck to Michigan as they face off as they face off Saturday evening. Um, go blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go blue.